from Kurtco Media. Travel It Matters MasterChef series is brought to you by Accor, a world-leading hospitality group. And brought to you by Stone Street Estate Vineyards in Sonoma County, California. Coming up on the show. Don't tell any of my New Yorker pizza places. But Pizzeria Bedia is the best pizza. I love New York pizza. I'm a New Yorker. But I can't get enough of what he does. That's TV host and chef Amanda Freitag. I'm Bruce Wallen. And this is the MasterChef series from Travel That Matters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Travel That Matters. Not just Travel That Matters, but the MasterChef miniseries of Travel That Matters. In this series, we are talking to some of the world's top chefs about exactly what you would expect us to be talking about with them on the show, and that is travel and food. First, let me just say, for those of you who are new to Travel That Matters, I'm Bruce Wallen. I'm a longtime travel journalist, former editorial director at Rob Report, and, and a writer for places like Departures and, and National Geographic. On this show, we explore the world's most exceptional and meaningful travel experiences with some of the fascinating people that I've met through my work and, and through my travels. My guest on today's episode, I met her in the Bahamas, which I know sounds kind of boastful, but it's not. I, I met her at the Bahamas Culinary and Arts Festival at Bahamar. And I got to say, for someone who is a, a celebrity chef, a, a TV personality, an author, an entrepreneur, a, a social media star now, she is seriously down to earth and cool. Just an incredibly likable person. I'm talking about Amanda Freitag, who you probably know her from from Chopped or from Iron Chef or or one of the many other shows that that she's hosted or judged or, or competed on. But before all that, Amanda was in the trenches as a young chef, traveling around the world, working for chefs like like Jean Georges Von Gerichten and Alain Persard. She attended the Culinary Institute of America. She's written a cookbook called The Chef Next Door. She's a host of a digital series called Easy AF, which are her initials, of course. She has a brand new line of bottled cocktails called Freitag Cocktails. Very, very busy person, obviously. But we are here to talk to her about travel and food and some of her favorite places around the globe. She's going to take us through some of her top regions in Italy and how each one of them inspires her in, in different ways. We're going to learn what her favorite pizza is in the U.S., and it's not in New York, even though that's where she is from and a little bit about her favorite food destinations in this country. Again, her answers might surprise you. Be sure to stick around after my interview with Amanda because I have a very special bonus guest chef on this episode, a very inspiring guy who is pretty much the leading authority on Caribbean cuisine. Also, be sure to click that follow button so you don't miss any of our upcoming MasterChef episodes, which will feature none other than Danielle Baloud. Gail Simmons, Gregory Gorday, and many other amazing chefs and travelers. But for now, let's go to Italy and beyond with Amanda Freitag. Amanda, welcome to Travel That Matters. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. And this podcast was meant for me. <laughs> it is. I definitely think it's true. I hear you just got back from a, a very, very exciting trip. But first, I want to start with something. 
I understand you're a collector. In addition to a big traveler and, and famous chef, you are a collector and you collect something that I, I've never heard anybody else collect this particular thing. I'm sure there are others. You're, you're looking at me shocked. Tell me what it is you collect and, and how this got started. I collect menus, actually. I may be put in handcuffs because a lot of them just went into my purse. <laughs> some of them I asked, some of them I haven't asked. So it's been pretty much since I was a young cook, straight out of culinary school, I just was so inspired by menus and the way they were set up. And I always wanted to remember what I ate. And a lot of when I first came out of culinary school, menus were a piece of art. There was a lot of design put into menus. And I just had a dear friend of mine who was on that journey with me, another chef friend, send me a bunch that we had collected together. They sent me a beautiful one from Le Bernardin. It was gold and it's huge. And I have a gorgeous menu from Boulay from back in the day. I have menus from France, Italy. And it's just a really beautiful memory of the meal. Okay, so tell us about you. You told us about Le Bernardin and a few of the other highlights. What about your your travels? Obviously, this these collections have taken place during many of your travels. Well, first, tell us about the trip you just got back from and other places that have kind of inspired you and your career. The very last trip that I flew home from was from Turks and Caicos. I did a really fun collaboration that I've been waiting to do for a couple of years with Chef Edwin at Seven Stars Resort at Seven Restaurant. He's doing something really cool in the islands because it's so hard to grow food in the islands. He has a shipping container called the Freight Farm where he's growing lettuces, vegetables, microgreens, and herbs for the restaurant. So we did a collaborative dinner based around what he's growing in the Freight Farm, and it is really cool. Okay, so you just got back from Turks and Caicos. I met you in the Bahamas where you were with uh, Marcus Samuelson hosting the, the culinary festival there. Is there something about the Caribbean that you like? You know, obviously, everyone loves the Caribbean, but is there something about the Caribbean that you just, you know, it inspires you? Actually, it's interesting because if you circle back after culinary school, I moved to the Florida Keys. So that was kind of my first gig outside of school was in this environment where it was spiny lobsters and conch and mahi-mahi and grouper. So revisiting that whenever I go to the Caribbean is similar foods. You know, we're using what just comes out of the water, right? The mahi, the lobster, the conch, shrimp, and but different twist in each place. I learned a lot about Bahamian cuisine when we were there for the festival. We ate a lot of really authentic things I had never had before. Preparations that, and textures and flavors that I'd also never had before. You know, Turks and Caicos has a little bit of a Bahamian vibe but they also have a different style of the way they do things. It's, I feel like it's maybe a little bit cleaner, maybe a little bit more European influenced, but it's all really surrounded by this warm weather and sunshine and everything always feels good no matter what when you're there. It was hard not to have a good time at the Bahamas Culinary and Arts Festival. That's for sure. That was at Bahamar. And Marcus, he's such a personality, seems like such a fun guy to hang out with. Like, what do you guys do? I mean, you, you all seem like great buddies too, you know, like what do you and Marcus and some of your other, you know, whether it's Ming Tsai or whoever, like what do you guys like to do? Not necessarily in the Bahamas, but you know, if you're all in New York City, like where are you going out to dinner? Like what are you, what are you guys going out to do to have fun? Well, you'd be surprised. I think people think, you know, chefs are always running around together and we all live under the same roof, but 
It's very hard to get together now, even more so than before. But there is a core group of us like Marcus, myself, Mark Murphy, a lot of New York City chefs that came up in New York at the same time. So we've known each other through restaurant days. When we're young cooks reading about each other in, in Gourmet Magazine or Bon Appetit or in the New York Times and kind of competing with each other, but also supporting each other. So even before Food Network stuff, we were kind of a crew. And so now we make an effort to get together, whether it be at a food festival or this past year when it was the weekend of New York City Food and Wine Festival, Mark Murphy invited chefs only, no guests, to his event space. And he said, you know, I'm tired of us all running around and never getting to see each other. Let's get together. Let's have a potluck. And everybody brought a little something. If you were local, you cooked. If not, it was probably a bottle of booze. And it was fantastic. And that was probably the first time in a long time we had gotten together in just a social environment. You mentioned your time in the Florida Keys after, after culinary school. You also traveled a lot and worked as a chef abroad and everything like that. I want to I want to hear a little bit about that. Like, tell us some about so that must be very exciting to as a chef to to work and travel around the world. And what are some of the spots that really kind of how did that shape you as a as a chef and and as a person? Yeah, I mean, I think the most exciting thing for me still is to travel and learn. And I had the great fortune of going to Paris. Um, the chef that I worked for in New York, Diane Forley had set me up with this stage, as we call it, or internship in a restaurant called Arpege, which is a, a two-star Michelin restaurant. Incredibly scary, not going to lie, to go there. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, you know, my French was medium at best, and it was very intimidating kitchen. And I was connected by another chef friend. So I wasn't cleaning mushrooms and sweeping the floor, I got to do more than that. And the people who were cleaning mushrooms and sweeping the floor were not welcoming me so much there because <laughs> they were waiting to be in my position. So there was definitely some competition, a little hazing, but it was a beautiful experience because really it's like being in the United Nations in that kitchen. You know, it wasn't just people from Paris and France. It was people from England and South America and Africa and Italy and Denmark. There were so many different regions of the world represented through the cooks in that kitchen. You know, what I got to see there was stuff that I would have never seen if I hadn't worked there. You know, the freshness, the innovative ideas on the menu. Every day they would start fresh. Nothing in the walk-in refrigerator at the end of the night except for butter. Nothing. Wow. I'd never seen anything <laughs> like that in my life. So blank slate every day, lambs and pigs coming in on the butcher's shoulders in the morning, live frogs in a box, fish, all the vegetables, you know, everything just came in in the morning. And then it, would, it was literally magical how everything got processed by the time the doors opened and there was a menu and everybody knew what they were doing. Has that something, do you think American cuisine has gone more in that direction, or at least at the, you know, the fine dining level in recent years has gone more in that direction? Maybe not frogs in a box, but you know, <laughs> has it gone more in that direction? I think we have definitely gone more in that direction. And we sort of always trail behind French chefs and European chefs who may be starting this trend. Uh, that was in 2000. And only a couple of years after that, the chef who was running that restaurant went completely vegetable menu. Only a couple of years. Now we are just now adopting some of the, that trend to go with vegetable menus or vegetarian menus. 
That's just happening almost 20 years later. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Chef Amanda Freitag. Welcome back to my chat with Amanda Freitag. So, okay, so we've talked about France. We've talked about the Florida Keys, a little bit about the Caribbean. What are, what are some of the other places that, you know, A, you, you love to travel to, but you appreciate as a chef for, for the cuisine? And, and what, are, what are some of your favorite food destinations? Well, after those travels, I mean, of course, I, I went to see Spain. I hadn't seen Spain and I wanted to see what that was all about. But I started cooking Italian food a couple of years later. And I started to really learn about what authentic Italian is. I grew up in New Jersey, so red sauce Italian, right? It was never real, authentic Italian regional cuisine. And I started to travel. And the first place I went was really north. It was Trieste in Friuli region. And that's very different from what anybody's impression of like classic Italian food is, right? I was enamored by the influence of Alsatian food or Croatian food. And it was very different than what I thought it would be. And then the next time I went, I went to the Umbrian Tuscany region and Rome. Again, very different just because of the geography. And then I went to Sicily and Sicily was a whole different thing. You know, that really defined if it grows together, goes together. You know, eggplant, tomato, capers, peppers, it all makes sense together. And I think that the thing that excited me was it was regional, right? Yes, it's all under the umbrella of Italy, but it's so different everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, a different pasta shape, a different sauce, a different meat, a different fish, more cream, more cheese, no cream, no cheese, you know? And so it's so much knowledge to want to bring back and focus on. I, you, I, I could have done probably years of cooking just Sicilian food. A lot of people talk about Sicily on the ship and everybody tells me I have to go there. What is there like a particular moment there, like a restaurant, a meal that you had, you know, maybe you have the menu to remember it by, but is there like one time in Sicily that just kind of encapsulates what you love about that place? There was some crazy happenstances when we were there. I mean, obviously we were walking the streets of Palermo and we were trying something called panelle, which is a chickpea pancake, very classically made in Sicily which kind of reminds me of polenta, but I'd never had it done properly. Or having to taste the spleen sandwich because we have to taste it. And it was made with on a beautiful roll with fresh ricotta, but spleen is not my favorite, but I had to try it. <laughs> you know, but that's like the sandwich that you pick up on the street. But, you know, we went and had an incredible meal in a place called Ediche. And it's like this medieval city on top of a hill in this castle-like restaurant and very simple, using the simple ingredients from all Sicily, like tuna and salt and sardines, weird and wild, you know? And then, of course, the, the most basic bowl of something, they traditional pasta in Sicily is called pasta con sarde, which is pasta with sardines. And it's fennel pollen, golden raisins, sardines, and it's usually made with bucatini, and we had probably about six or seven different versions of it. We would go to each and every little local restaurant and try and try it to figure out which one was our favorite, but also just to see what is the version of it. But, you know, what's really hard is like, I would like to, to go to Abruzzo. I'd like to go to Puglia. I'd like to go to Calabria. And I, I'd rather go somewhere where I haven't been. 
always the dilemma with travel is all the places we want to go back to and the places that we haven't been to yet. I, I, I don't know if the the pandemic and the the break from travel affected your opinion on that any because I, I know that some people it, it drove them more toward I need to go back to that place in Italy that I loved so much because I was you know I wasn't able to travel for years of time but then I think for me I mean yes of course I I have those thoughts as well but then for me it was also I think it was kind of a wake up call that wow the the clock is ticking and yes. I only have so much time left on this planet. And if I, I haven't been here, here and here and here, I've got to go. And and I, I don't know. So I, I think it affected people in different ways. Did it, where did it push you? Like, what, do you need to go back or do you want to go explore something? New? Well, I am right there with you. I want to see something I haven't seen. So I was trying to plan at the end of 2020, a trip to Sardinia because I really want to explore that region. And I was going to I was going to stay. My idea was to sort of stay there for a couple of weeks and immerse myself in their culture. And, that, you know, we weren't sure about how travel would open up at that time. And I didn't get the trip on the books. And then all of a sudden the world got busy anyway. And so I'll, I'll start with Sardinia. I'll go back to Japan, but maybe somewhere else. I've only ever been to Tokyo. I need to see Greece. I'm embarrassed to say I've never been. Portugal's on the list, the ever-growing list. It's been on that list for a long time. Thailand? Come on. As a chef, I haven't been to Thailand? That's crazy. I'm about to embark in two days for one of these trips that you're talking about. Is it my, mine is to Israel. It's a destination that I, I have never been to, and it's hugely important as a food destination right now and hugely yes. exciting as a food destination. So I am, I am very much looking forward to that. We have friends there. We're traveling around with them. And, you know, we're going to go all over that. It's a small country, so you can really it see is. quite a bit of it in in a, in a week or so. You're going to want to go back as soon as you get there, even if you're That's, still there. <laughs> even if you're still- <laughs> I had the great fortune of going in the beginning of 2019, and I just fell in love with every aspect of it. Yeah, people told me I'm going to want to move to Tel Aviv. You could easily transplant yourself there. I could live in Tel Aviv tomorrow and not even feel like I changed anything about my life. It'd just be better. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Chef Amanda is going to share with us her favorite food cities in the U.S., and they are not what you think. Let's go back to the U.S. for a bit. I actually read somewhere that you said that Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Portland were your three favorite food destinations in the U.S., which I think is an interesting selection. San Francisco maybe is is, is on a lot of lists, but, you know, Portland, more up and coming, Philadelphia, more kind of classic. First of all, is that still your opinion? And then, you know, just tell us a little bit about why. I think that still holds true. Probably add Los Angeles in there now because the restaurant scene is really coming up in, in L.A. I like that choice. But, you know, if you haven't been to Philly in a while, the fact that to me it's like a baby New York, you can wrap your hands around it. The chef community is tight and small, which I miss about New York now because that's what it was like in New York when I was coming up. And everybody is is doing really cool stuff, really beautiful food, you know, from Michael Solomonov doing Zahav and all his Israeli cuisine. He just opened a restaurant called Laser Wolf in Philly, but they just opened a Brooklyn outpost. His cuisine is incredible. Jose Garces, always putting down some really creative stuff. Mark Vetri, the king of pasta. Pizzeria Bedia, some don't tell. 
any of my New Yorker pizza places. <laughs> but Pizzeria Bedia is the best pizza, honestly, wow. hands down. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I love New York pizza. I'm a New Yorker, but I can't get enough of what he does. Joe Bedia is is a pizza king. I hope he hears this. He's he's one of my favorites. So if you're in Philly, you gotta you gotta get it. Wow, Philly for pizza. That's one of those places, you know, you said you haven't been to Greece and I have not been to Philadelphia, which is kind of crazy. And I I need to do that. It's actually very, very high on my list. Yeah, there's also an incredible vegan restaurant called Veg. I've had some amazing meals in Philly. Speaking of amazing meals, what are some of the meals? You you mentioned your potluck dinner. I'm sure that was a (laughs) highlight of, of any year. What are some of the places that have just stood out to you recently where you've eaten and, and just kind of like a dish? I've been trying to make a huge effort to go out more in New York because I travel so much. When I'm home, it's either Cafe China, which is my favorite Szechuan delivery, or <laughs> steamed broccoli with a pizza grilled chicken. <laughs> Clean it up. Yeah, it's funny you say that. When I was interviewing Marcus for this show, I realize he knows far more about the Los Angeles dining scene than I do, even though I live in Los Angeles and have for my whole life, pretty much. And he just because he comes here as a outsider and he explores and he and and I get in my routine here and I don't explore as much as I should. So I, I get that. I get that sense. That's exactly, exactly what happened. I have to say, and this is not to try and give anybody props that are to get me back to the Bahamas at any time soon, but <laughs> we had an incredible meal at a restaurant called Cinco in, in Bahamar. I don't know if you got to eat there when you were there. I was blown away. The name of the chef will escape me, but it's Peruvian and Asian. It's also kosher, and they have a list of kosher wines. And the tiradito, the ceviche, everything they did was on point, delicious, outstanding. The cocktails, start to finish. The next time you're there, you must go to Cinco. I highly recommend it. But as far as New York goes, I had an incredible meal recently at a place called Ernesto's. Ernesto's is a Spanish restaurant, you know, not not fully tapas, but a lot of tapas. And great wines, great cocktails. And I think it's it's definitely like a, a chef's restaurant, but it's becoming more popular outside the chef community because it, it's so simple, but so good. You're taking me back to my, my college days at tapas bars in, in Madrid, but probably not eating quite the same quality, but but still very, very good. Good memories and still good Still good, good memories. Flavors. Yes. All right. Well, Amanda, it's been so fantastic having you on the show today. Thank I really you. appreciate your insights and, and all the great Travel stories and wait, first you have to tell me if you did have to pick one place for me to go, where would it be? Well, have you done Peru? I mean, Peru is such a you know culinary destination that so many people talk about, and I, you know, to be honest, I think it's a little bit overrated in some ways from a food perspective. Like I think it got so much attention from the you know top fifty restaurants and all that stuff. I don't, I don't think necessarily the fine dining scene is the best in the world in, in Lima, but I think overall the country is fascinating because you're eating fruits and vegetables that mm-hmm. you haven't heard of, seen anything like. I mean, the, the ingredients there are unlike anywhere else in the world. You have such a great mix of food and you also have like fantastic adventures on the Amazon and, yes. and up in the Andes and Machu Picchu. And so I, I highly okay. recommend that. Beautiful hotels. It's, it's a great adventure city 
culinary, trekking, everything cultural. Very, very interesting from a cultural perspective. Great. So, there. Thank you. I'm putting it on the list. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks again. It's been great having you. Thanks, Bruce. I'm glad we finally did it. And now for the Wallen Wrap-Up. That was so great speaking with Amanda today. She is obviously very passionate about both you know, food and travel. And she definitely has a, a soft spot for the Caribbean. I mentioned that I met her at, at Bahamar in the Bahamas, where I also had the pleasure of meeting the most famous chef in the Bahamas, Simeon Hall Jr. Simeon's not just a chef, but he's also a, a historian, someone who has studied Caribbean cuisine, its roots, how it's all come together in a way that no one else has. I got to sit down with Simeon for a quick conversation about Caribbean food and what distinguishes Bahamian cuisine in particular. We have 700 islands and keys, 16 main inhabited islands, each of which has their own personality. Right. And so you go to each island and there's difference while it's similar. And so that's a big deal here in the Bahamas. Also, too, we have a pre- and post-colonial influence there was seafood and shellfish and, and certain techniques that happened in the Bahamas long before colonialization. And then when that came along, there was influences from the English, from Africa, from Spain. And so we've become sort of that melting pot, and it makes our food very, very unique. What are some of the, the must-try dishes for, for someone coming here for the first time? Somebody coming here, you got to try sh- sauce. Sauce is broth, more like a very flavorful chicken noodle soup kind of thing. And so we eat everything sauce. Kong sauce, sheep tongue sauce, pigfoot sauce, chicken sheep sauce. sauce. I everything. Try yeah, the Bahamas <laughs> is actually one of the world's largest consumers of sheep tongue. Really? Yeah. Now, is that, do you think, is that the, the British influence there? Uh, it- definitely, because if you go anywhere else in the region, sauce is actually a cold dish. When you come to the Bahamas, it's a hot dish. Okay. And so that is a, a very British dish. Similar to when you go to the South and they have head cheese, that's where we get the recipes from. So, you know, again, there's so many twists and turns here in the Bahamas, so many influences, and, and, and those are the kind of things. So you have to try things like sauce. You got to try duff. You got to try real fried fish and lobster and definitely kong salad, which, believe it or not, kong salad is a type of ceviche introduced when citrus came to the island from Latin America, but Bahamians don't eat fish ceviche. We'll eat raw conch, which is a huge, huge mollusk. Right. But you can't. Not fish. <laughs> you can't get those same people to eat raw fish ceviche. Wait, not, it's not going to happen. You've mentioned duff. Tell me about what's that. Well, duff is a signature dessert here in the Bahamas. Okay. And uh, although most people know guava duff, its origins are based in a British theme pudding that uses seasonal ingredients. So whatever is in season, that's what you fill the steamed bread with, and then it's topped with a butter rum sauce. And so it makes it, it's very decadent. One of those things, we eat 
on special occasions, that sort of stuff. Okay, so we got to start with some conked salad and then some sauce and then duff, duff. to finish yeah, it off. Yeah, yeah. What are we drinking with this, by the way? Rum. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, no hesitation whatsoever on that answer. Definitely rum yeah. and local mm-hmm. bears, for sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So tell me, where do you like to go to eat this or, or anything, you know, all the way from... The fine dining experience yeah, to, yeah. you know, the street food or, or yeah. whatever it is. Like, what are, what are some of your spots, specific or not, but just how do you like to eat this? Some of my favorite places, I was lucky enough to write a piece for Bon Appetit that highlighted my eight favorite places, some of which are still my favorite places. We'll provide a link to that here in the show here, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's definitely something that you should check out. And But to be really, really honest, one of my most favorite places on this island is a food trailer called Avalence. Avalence. How do you spell that? Avalence. E-V-E-L-Y-N. Avalence. Okay. Avalence. It's on Porter's Key Dock. Okay. And it's one of the few places that Bahamians actually wait in line for food. Okay. And it's super it's good. good. Sign. Yeah, yeah. Evelyn is Haitian and her food is Haitian Bahamian. Okay. And so it's so tasty. And so, so what, what do you get it out? What, what do oh we man, get there if we go um, there? She does breakfast, Bahamian breakfast, which usually includes grits, tuna, corned beef, that sort of stuff. And then for lunch, she does a okra smothered ribs with bean and rice. Wow. It is heavenly. <laughs> Anybody who comes to visit me, I always tell them Avalon's. Avalon's for the... Yeah, okra covered ribs with beans, and that sounds fantastic. Very then, s- sounds Southern influence yeah, too. Well, I mean, that again, is, yeah, Southern owes the Caribbean mm-hmm. homage because they're like our nieces and nephews. Yeah, so a lot of the food that people refer to as Southern, it's literally based in the Caribbean. Yep, and so uh, most people don't know barbecue is not American. Yep, it comes from the Caribbean. Really. The word barbacoa is a Taino word from Haiti. Did not know that. Yep. I know barbacoa in Spanish means nope. something completely different yep, than it does in, the, in English. The but. Spanish took it from Haiti yep. originally. Okay. And so its its origins are in the Caribbean. Really? And so we don't do what was the original format, which is low and slow. We do quick and fast. Mm-hmm. So we do more grilling and charring here in this region. So you'll find more grill spots than you find barbecue spots. Right. You got to have good Kong salad when you come to the Bahamas. And my favorite place is Yellows out at Monocue Beach. Okay. And then again here at Bahama, and I could be absolutely honest, I'm not usually the biggest fan of hotel restaurants. Right. Because they have to adjust and tweak and follow the format for most of their guests. But here at this hotel, two of my favorite spots as well, Shuang Bao, which is a Chinese restaurant. Okay. My favorite Chinese restaurant anywhere. Anywhere. New York, <laughs> LA, the whole nine And that's yards. here at the Rosewood. And that's here, right at this, at this property. And then Marcus. Okay. Marcus Summerson's restaurant here. Best cornbread ever, best fried chicken. I mean, absolutely amazing, flavorful food. I know the chef there. And I, I truly love that place. And there's there's a couple more, but definitely I think now the Bahamas is really coming into its own. And we're now being unapologetic for the food that I would eat to make sure that you could get a taste of it as well. 
Right. That, that, that's very important because, I th- look, I think more and more travelers are kind of looking. They don't want the same meal here that they had in Hawaii or, or, right. in, or right. wherever else. So I think that is more and more something that travelers want. But you're right. Sometimes it takes a little. Yeah. You need to take yeah. some baby steps first before you get there. But you said it right. You use the word traveler and not tourist. We were a tourist destination. Now we are becoming a traveler's destination. Travelers are more definite and and purposeful in their vacations. You know, they, they kind of seek out where they're going to eat. They kind of Google people. They Google who's the chef in the Bahamas, that sort of stuff. So they have it already in their vision. This is what we're going to do. Tourists, they jump on the plane, they do whatever, and that's it. So yeah. we have a little bit more travelers coming here. We love the tourists, but I personally enjoy somebody who's very intentional is the word that I'm looking for Yep. whenever they go on vacation. Well, travelers are going to have some very good tips from this. Adeline, <laughs> and what was the other one you mentioned? Adeline's and, and yellows, at, salad, yellows. Uh, yellows okay. at Monocu. Thanks to Amanda Freitag and Simeon Hall Jr. for joining me on the show today. For more details on everything we talked about, check out our show notes or visit kurtco.com. The show is produced and edited for Kurt Co. Media by A.J. Mosley. Music by Joey Salvia. Marketing by Katrin Skipertis. And I'm your host, Bruce Wallen, and I will see you down the road.